0: Hi, my name's Tori, and I wish I knew more about blood products. Hi, my name's Letitia. I wish I knew more about taking care of myself when starting shift work. Hi, my name is Olivia. I wish I would know more about how to work as in the team and solve conflict.
1: Hello, welcome to Five Things, the nursing podcast from the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. My name is Liz Crowe.
2: I'm Jesse Spur, and this is a podcast by, for, and with the amazing nurses and health professionals in our corner of the world. We hope to connect with a global community as we move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Five Things.
1: Hello, my name is Liz
2: Crow, and I'm Jesse Spur.
1: And today we're extremely excited to be welcoming Assistant Professor in Medicine and ICU Nurse, Dr Jessica Stokes-Parrish.
0: Hello, thank you for having me. Very excited to be on this esteemed podcast.
1: And today we're talking about five things wading through the rubbish on social media. And following COVID and how much we know our patients constantly seek out Dr Google, this is going to be a very important Um, podcast not just for all of our healthcare professionals out there but sometimes also for our patients as well so we're very excited to get started.
2: What we like to do is get a little bit to know our guest and their career journey so Jess obviously an assistant professor at the School of Medicine is a fair way from where you started. (laughs) Uh, Give us the backstory.
0: Uh, the backstory. So I started nursing in 2009, I think it was. I started in a, um, an oncology nursing job and I didn't have a new graduate position, which I always like to mention because so many people get upset about you're getting a new grad, but uh, I didn't get one and I'm okay. Um, so I started in oncology, worked in palliative care and chemo, and but always knew I wanted to get into education. So went into ICU and one night shift went, I've really got to stop doing these night shifts and applied for a job in a simulation centre in Newcastle and uh, surprisingly I got the job. And that's kind of started me on my journey with education and since then I've completed a PhD in simulation, I've worked out rural in New South Wales, I've now moved to the Gold Coast from Newcastle where I work at Bond Uni uh, and that's probably the it in a nutshell but my areas of work are particularly around social media, science communication and simulation based learning modalities.
2: The the tangent between, I'm going to have to connect this (laughs) up for the listeners, the tangent between simulation education, PhD and how you found yourself working in this scientific communications and public facing sort of social media um, space.
0: Yeah, very weird, hey? I don't know how it happened except for the fact that I actually remember talking to you, Jesse, one day on the phone and saying, there are no nurses in the media. And there's all these doctors on social media with authority, but there's no nurses. And I don't want to do it, but I think I'm going to have to do it <laughs> so that we can get some traction. And um, so I just kind of started dabbling in looking at how can we how can I leverage my education knowledge and use that on a social media platform, and how can I communicate with the public and have meaning in what I do really see the benefits? And that's kind of started and snowballed into finding that it really worked and that I could work out what I was doing, and here I am. And everybody
1: these days on the whole, is on social media in some way, shape, or form, whether it's personally or professionally. But today you're really going to step us through you know, what are our roles and responsibilities as nurses or healthcare professionals and how to kind of filter through with a critical mm. eye about what, what is knowledge and what is waffle?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of waffle on social media. <laughs> so can
1: you take us to your very first point, please?
0: Yes. So my number one uh, is know what you want. So, what do you want out of social media? What are your goals with social media? Are you somebody that's just sitting there scrolling through the information mindlessly to kind of end out your day? Is it that you want to share information or you like to connect with people online? Uh, Or are you creating content? Why and what are you doing and, and who's your audience and what are you trying to achieve through that?
2: I guess so, who's your audience or who's the broadcaster that you are the audience as well because often we don't think of ourselves as being the audience of someone else when we're using social media.
0: No, 100% and I think this is something, you know, as a generation that didn't have social media when we first started, um, much of our nursing, there was a little bit of MySpace and Facebook but um, (laughs) that's going back a bit, Um, but, you know, it's become so much of what we do and There's so much research out there that highlights how the subliminal messaging of what we're consuming on social media actually influences our choice, Um, but it also actually influences our mental health, and the negative effects of social media are quite profound, Uh, and we can find ourselves in echo chambers and finding and seeking out information that confirms our own biases and and supports what we already believe, and I think it's um, important not to underestimate that.
1: And the whole social comparison, you know, people just don't even realise, uh, and I joke because when I first started my career and someone went overseas, you know, they'd come back from Greece and six weeks later a postcard would arrive and we'd put it on the, you know, morning tea (laughs) fridge and go, oh, that looks cool. Whereas now, basically at any time of the day or night, you can hop on and see someone thinner, wealthier, browner, smarter, (laughs) you know, it, it... everything we can compare ourselves and we feel like it's mindless but it's actually doing us harm isn't it
0: yeah absolutely um i just think like i think about my kids and i think oh my goodness how are we going to navigate you know seeing this comparison and this constant measuring up against others around us and we're beginning to see the effects of that more than ever
2: so i suppose in terms of knowing what we want it's part of that has to be recognizing that when we're we are, we are health professionals. Nurses mm-hmm. are health professionals. That doesn't turn off when we start scrolling through Instagram or looking on TikTok. That's still a big part of our personal identity and how we perceive and filter stuff coming in. And there are a lot of other health professionals using social media to create or curate content. When we're saying know what we want, is that about kind of considering that we are professionally using social media even when we're not?
0: Yeah, I think it's hard to see but there is no real distinction between being a professional and a personal individual online. Um, But, you know, and and we'll talk a little bit more about how people perceive us but it's that combination of um, our professional life permeates everything that we do.
1: Yeah, I'm constantly saying to my own children like beware of your digital footprint – You know, when I, again, I'm old, but once upon a time, you know, when you went for a job, what people had on you was your CV. Whereas now, whether people admit it or not, they Google you. They see, do you have anything on Instagram, anything on LinkedIn, anything on Facebook, anything that they can access to try and build more of a profile about you. So you want to be extremely careful, particularly in a a professional sense, about what's up there. Mm. Can you take us to your number two point, please?
0: Uh, Number two is understand the power of social media and what I mean by that is that you as a health professional online have power and that presentation of the profession, you're not only representing yourself as an individual, you're representing yourself as a professional and you're also representing the broader profession Uh, So, some of the listeners might be across some of the controversy on TikTok over the last couple of weeks in which the ick trend was going around. And there was a couple of uh, midwives in the US who unfortunately used that trend to marginalise and ostracise their patients that they had cared for. And now you know, that's inherently, you just hear that and go, well, that's a terrible thing to do. Yes, but it's also a terrible thing for the profession to see as a whole. You're damaging the trust of, um, you know, what the public thinks of the profession as a whole. And so when we think about the power of social media, it's so much more than just resharing a post. You actually may change someone's mind about how they view health professionals, healthcare as a, a broader concept.
1: Yeah, because you are a healthcare professional, when you share or like something, for some people in your community, that is giving an authoritative voice to it, or that is giving it that product, that piece of information, credibility that perhaps you haven't really thought through.
0: Yeah, and it's really easy to do. But, you know, I wonder if the listeners know that it's actually illegal to endorse sunscreen. Um, As a health professional, you're not allowed to endorse, whether explicitly or implicitly, anything that's a TGA registered product. And sunscreen is one of those things. And and it's, you know, it's a good thing. Promoting sunscreen is a good thing, but it's endorsing a drug.
1: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that.
2: (laughs) I did because I followed Jess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Again, I go off my 18 and 21-year-old sons. You know, they often will talk to me with such an authority like, Mum, I have seen this. There's 54 million downloads, so I know for a fact that it's true. Uh, and, there, you know, there's research to show that people believe um, content has more authority the more downloads. They, don't, they can't sort of see that there's a domino effect to that. Um, can
2: you talk to us a little bit about that? And please download our podcast. Okay?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So, that's often referred to as the halo effect um, and the kind of perceived authority of somebody who has a significant number of followers on social media, immediately that presents them as some sort of authority and that number contributes to whether somebody thinks I can trust them or not. So, you know, me having 2,000 Instagram followers versus 12,000 makes a huge difference. Like there's 12,000 people that think this person should be listened to. But the other thing is that that halo effect also comes into influence is if you look at somebody online and they look like you, they sound like you, there's kind of this likability. you think well, they're like me, so what they're saying must be true. And there's all these subliminal elements that really influence our beliefs on how whether somebody is an authority or not, even if there is absolutely no evidence to them being an authority.
2: Which I guess the risk then is we are actually being presented stuff that already associates with what we've been looking at. So we're going to be presented more and more of the same sorts of things because of the algorithms that drive social media. They're not doing that to actually force a bias in what we look at, they're doing that to keep us on their app longer. Yes. Um, But that's going to bring in more people that look like the credible person that you've been digesting stuff from and lingering over that post and reading the caption because it's reading all of those things. How long did you stay on this one post and have a look at it? Oh, we're going to throw some more of those into your feed.
0: Yeah, and look, the other thing to be mindful of is um, when it comes to Instagram and content that's shared your biases around what you believe the more you see something the more you believe it and so then you develop these kind of parasocial relationships with somebody because of their following how they perceive to interact with you because they're not actually interacting with you you're interacting with them so we build these relationships which means that we trust them i can't wait to hear about number three because it's
1: anonymous is never really anonymous on social media
0: yes uh, spicy one um So often when it comes to social media, you'll hear people recommend, look, if you're going to be on social media, be anonymous and then that way you won't get in trouble or, you know, it's less likely to be associated with you. And while in some part that's true, there's so many ways with hackers and all sorts of things that you can find out what your identity is. And so what I often say to students that I teach around social media is don't fall behind the um, security of anonymity because anonymous is actually never anonymous and if you are the one that's posting it and you are asked to present evidence in a court of law you will be considered liable for whatever you've said or done. Look and the other thing too I think is doxing is becoming a real issue as a cyber bullying tactic and so even if you are anonymous Somebody will find out who you are through whatever means and then post it publicly. And so, but also just just in general, I think people feel a lot more comfortable to do or say things behind anonymity than they would if it was attached to their name. And to me, that's a huge red flag.
1: And I I guess it goes back to that rule of thumb. If you wouldn't say it to someone face to face, you should not be saying it at all. Yeah. Number four. Why you want crabs.
0: (laughs) This is not what you think it is. (laughs) Um, So, crabs is a framework that I developed throughout COVID um, to help individuals sort through the credibility of content online. And it's a mnemonic that's hopefully a little bit memorable because now you've got crabs in your mind.
2: Hard to get rid of. (laughs)
0: That I just, I could see that there were so many people that were struggling to work through filtering content online and to navigate things that I thought was just so obvious that was not, you know, it was not reliable. So I spent some time thinking about, well, what are the core concepts of what we would look at to be credible and came up with CRAPS? And it stands for... stands for... um, So C is for conflict of interest. So does the person that's sharing the information have a conflict of interest, whether it's political, financial or other? Or, you know, what's their bias that they carry into this, their position? R is for references. Is there any um, referencing or evidence supporting the statements? And if there are references, are they actually real ones and uh, really good ones? Uh, Or is it just a YouTube link? A is for author. So who's the author... Uh, what's their training, what are their qualifications, what do we know about them that will help us understand the context of this content. And then buzzwords is all about, you know, online, content online is filled with emotional, persuasive language and it's very marketing, you know, we're trying to, I want you to read what I have to say and it's very emotive and it hooks you in. So it's about things like, you know, negative connotations or wellness trends and things like that.
2: Toxins is one I've seen you've done a deep dive on recently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So coming from ICU and working in a toxicology ICU, I would really get ticked off every time I would see somebody say, you need to live a low-tox life. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Because toxin, well, that's the wrong word anyway. It's actually a toxicant. Um, But that's a whole other podcast episode.
1: (laughs) And those words just get picked up. Like unprecedented was probably one of the words of 2021 – I've noticed in 2022 it's bespoke (laughs) and and it's everywhere. Yeah. And it's misused, misunderstood, taken out of context, you know, but it's this language or uh, a train of thinking or, you know, promoting something,
0: selling an idea, where people honestly get really sucked into it, don't they? Yeah, it's like things like functional medicine. It's like some random made-up word that just tries to say it's personalised medicine. Um,
2: Worked for CrossFit, functional (laughs) fitness. Yeah. But yes, cult.
0: Yeah, cult. (coughs) Red flag. Um, And then the final one is S for scope of practice. And that one was more about I was seeing – You know, because social media and the platforms that we use are influenced by the demographics of who's using them, I was seeing a lot of junior nurses and junior doctors using social media to talk about health. And they were overstating their expertise or overstating their knowledge, which we all do when we're on that curve of of learning. Um, And so just reminding ourselves to look at the scope of practice, how many years out from graduating is this individual? Are they on a training program? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, and and it is hard, you know. Like I'm someone who has a PhD in staff well being, and I remember going to a hotel last year, and the toothbrush was in a well. It was like a well being toothbrush, well being sanitary napkins. Like I'm sorry, that's a, a complete oxymoron for me. But that's that's how it becomes difficult, isn't it? When when these words are just flouted and touted all over town, how you actually you know, discriminate about what's real and what isn't. And that's why I love crabs in this (laughs) context because it really does give you a framework to work through things to say, you know, is this genuine?
0: Yeah, and look, and I've had a lot of um, feedback around how it's useful just to remind people to stop and think about what they're consuming and to spend time going hang on, I had an immediate fear response when I read X and Y, and then I took the time to think through it and look at the credibility and go, actually, you know what, this piece of information doesn't even deserve my time. Um, And I think that's, you know, we're so in this flick, flick, keep going, keep going through, that we forget some things aren't even worth our investment or time. And that's what I find CRABS can help you do. You can also use it to make a first pass at a publication. If you're looking up Um, a research paper or you want to know something um, in the academic literature, you can also use CRABS to determine whether that information is
2: reliable as well. And we'll share a link to the article through the show notes as well that you've published on this. i am picked up on a couple of things, the the layers of why there's a risk and why there's such a need to do this. So at the very least, we can actually validate non-credible information by putting a like on it. And now I guess our next layer is just mindlessly sharing or reposting that yep. or posting it to our stories, which, again, further validates but then also promotes it. And then I guess there's that more insidious thing that it can actually change or, change or normalise our beliefs that aren't founded in, in something accurate. And then we can even create content. We could post about those, those beliefs. So there's a lot of risk layers there that can be mitigated through actually stopping and going, starting with that start point of going... I'm having an emotional response to this, a strong emotive response to this post Mm. and then going, it's crabs time. Mm.
1: Yep.
0: All
1: right. So can you tell us finally what your number five is, please?
0: My number five is how can we ethically use social media as a health practitioner? Because you've obviously heard me talk about the negatives throughout the last little while and I would hate for people to go away and think that I'm anti-social media because...
2: <laughs> well, you're on a podcast that we <laughs> produce, so we're, we're in with you there.
0: <laughs> and I'll see if you go on any of my social profiles, you'll see I'm there. So I think for me, there's so much potential with social media and and that we can use it as a, a kind of piece of influence in our local communities and in our nursing communities, our health communities and so on. So when it comes to ethical use of social media, it's just to think about what might be the unintended consequences of what I post. Um, it's also a little bit reflective of back to point one, which is know what your goals are. So, know what you want to achieve if you are on social media and if you are online, really think about um, how you can build relationships and how you might be able to empower people as opposed to destructive – and I really hate the word empower, but don't get me started on that – but how can you engage the people that are in your sphere of influence and what can you do to um, contribute to the public's trust of healthcare and health professionals? How do you
1: then as a healthcare professional engage in social media in a way that is positive and does promote the values of the disciplines that we represent as well as our places of work?
0: So I think the first thing is make sure you're across what your workplace policy is for social media. Um, Different places have varying approaches but most of the time the kind of stock standard thing is don't post while you're at work as a number one and don't identify where you work. And so so that's kind of one point of it is knowing the policy. The second part is know, as I said before, know what you actually want to talk about but know what your boundaries are. Don't go engaging in things that are just too much or that might become red flag or inflammatory conversations. Um be mindful of thinking about that when you're engaging on social media. And think about the positive messages that you can engage with. Like what are the public health campaigns that are going on at the moment? You know, bowel screening, um, skin cancer checks. Like jump onto those campaigns. There's plenty of resources out there that you can share amongst your networks.
2: I, I think one thing I, over the years that, I, that I've that i sharpened my, my thoughts about what I'm doing in social media is not confusing the ideas of traffic, audience and community and trying to stay in that community space. So there's a temptation. If your why was because I want to become a commodity and marketable and get sponsorships and get money from doing this, then traffic is really important, just numbers. Then there's that creep into going, oh, I've got an audience so... I can broadcast my opinions and people want to hear everything I've got to say about everything and that's, that, that's where we can get into that halo effect of yep. the confusion of audience with people that are actually part of a community around you and the work that I've seen you do over the years has very much been recognising that you're part of a community, be that public medical education, nursing education community or just health literacy and health promotion community and engage in dialogue I yeah. think that's a big difference that you see is where people get into strife, is where they're adopting broadcast, just putting stuff out yeah. in and sharing information mindlessly.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I think the other thing um, that we are seeing is that the influencer, and not that there's anything wrong with influencers, but if you are operating in an influencer capacity, then you as the individual are the commodity. You, you're trading your credibility as a health professional to get sales or to build a following. And and I think it's just really important to be mindful that um, you are then the offering and the, the commodity. And sometimes you cannot get that credibility back. And so that's where it becomes really tricky around making sure that you know what your boundaries are for what you will and won't engage with. Because what is online, like you talked about earlier, leads around... Your Digital footprint that will be there forever, Uh, and especially if you start early in your career in an influencer capacity, then it can um, change the way that people perceive you. And sometimes I think there are some things that just don't need to be on social media. And and there's the impacts of say like vulnerability hangovers. If you're posting that you're really upset after a shift and you're in tears in the video. Like there's a vulnerability hangover that happens from that and you might regret sharing it later on.
1: I just wanted to pick up on the point, you know, we're talking about the ethical and kind of the positive things of social media. Like for me, social media has tapped into a whole worldwide medical nursing and allied health professional community that has opened up you know, doors for collaborative research uh, across the world, across Australia, New Zealand. Uh, It's allowed me to speak overseas because of those relationships. You know, there are a number of things and I don't think that uh, having relationships on, you know, over social media will ever replace face-to-face friends, face-to-face collaboration. But certainly during COVID, you know, for many people it was like a lifeline
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's a it's it's very rewarding and I think that's the thing like if you if you know what your purpose is on social media, whether it's to have a community that you collaborate with or whether you engage or hear different perspectives, like if you deliberately get out of your echo chamber, it's an amazing opportunity to hear different perspectives that's outside of that patient interaction.
2: So we wouldn't normally sort of finish in this space, but Given what we're talking about, how can people find you, Jess, in your (laughs) professional social media space? Um,
0: So I'm on Instagram and TikTok, um, at J underscore Stokes Parish. Um, And, yeah, you'll find me mostly talking about credibility of science and information and I'm often asking people for their opinions on kind of sticky topics and challenging things and just really love, instead of myth-busting, I like to encourage people to get out there and do it themselves.
1: So let me try and
0: summarise
1: today's conversation and please jump in if I get astray. But your five things on wading through the rubbish on social media, number one is know what you want from social media. Why are you on there? Is it mindless numbing or are you hoping to learn something new or are you hoping to make connections? Uh, And to also kind of always be aware that being on social media Mindlessly comparing yourself to others can actually be harmful for your mental health. Number two is understand the power of social media... So I guess for the positive, like having this uh, professional identity and collaboration and community, and on the negative, uh, understand that anything you put on social media, including at 2:30 in the morning, uh, after a big night out, can come back to haunt you with job interviews or with your organization depending on legislation, policies, etc, around social media. Number three: anonymous is never really anonymous. So it doesn't matter if you, you know, I called myself Red Flame on social media at some point. Someone's going to come back and say, you know, that was Liz Crow. That goes against the policy. I'm still going to get myself into trouble. I do not have that name on social media, so don't go looking for it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Number four is why you want crabs. And that is your fantastic framework for us to look at and to critically appraise about whether or not something has got uh, credibility in terms of social media. And just to take you back through that, CRAB stands for conflict of interest, references, you know, does it actually, is this this just someone's opinion or does it have scientific references behind it? Who the author or authors are, being mindful of buzzwords and finally uh, the scope of practice for people. And last but not least, your number five is how we can ethically use social media In a positive way as a healthcare professional. Jess, you've been outstanding. Thanks very much for today. Thanks for having me.
2: The Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital Five Things Nursing Podcast acknowledges the Turrbal and Yagara as the First Nations owners of the lands we now tread. We pay respect to their elders, laws, customs and creation spirits. We recognise that these lands have always been places of healing, teaching and learning. We also wish to acknowledge the First Nations people of the lands of our global community and encourage our listeners to seek out, listen and learn from the knowledge held in your shared space. As well as all major podcast outlets, you can find us at fivethingsnursing.podbean.com. Please also subscribe and give us a rating on your listening platform of choice. This helps others find the podcast. And finally, if you'd like to connect with Liz or myself on Twitter, we can be found at Liz Crow 2. And for me, it's inject underscore orange. We would absolutely love to hear your thoughts, ideas, or feedback. Thanks for listening to 5 Things.